listening to the Food Talk Show. Hi there, my name is Sue Nelson and for the next 30 minutes or so we're going to be talking about all things food and drink. I'm joined by my fellow presenters Holly and Ollie. Hey. Holly, Ollie. That's uh, Ollie Lloyd, founder of Great British Chefs. Um, how are you doing there? I'm good, I'm good. And Holly Shackleton, editor of Speciality Food Magazine. Hello. Hi there. Hi. You all right? I'm good, how are did, you? Did you have breakfast for a change this morning? I, no. I kind of did. I had half a, I don't know, half a bottle of green smoothie. It doesn't Oof. really count, does it? No, it doesn't. No, no. sorry. No. You always have Every breakfast, time. don't you? You've had about three breakfasts this morning. I've had probably. one. No, I had a really good um, a really good breakfast this morning. I had a sort of an Indian um Cheesy, eggy, chili. You went toast. to Dishoom, didn't you? I went you? to Dishoom. It was really good. It was really good. <laughs> yeah, Dishoom. It's, I have to say, I really recommend. I, well, I, you know, I think breakfast needs shaking up, and actually, it's quite fun to have something. I, mean, I had, um, I always forget how to pronounce it, shakshuka, uh, over the weekend. You know, the sort of tomatoey, spicy eggs. Which is a good segue into your conversation. Uh, yeah. Full of cumin and all sorts of other fun yeah. stuff. And I just, I, I like different breakfasts. I do like breakfast. I never used to eat breakfast ever. And now, I don't know, Just it's my favourite meal of the day. I have mm. to do it. Now, I wanted to um, talk about spices. And the reason for that is we were going to have the lovely people from Holy Llama Spice Drops here, which I use at home. However, we've got a train problem out there and uh, they're not here. But I'm still going to talk about spices, if that's okay. Far away. Also got um, Simon Griffiths from Meridian Foods. Hi, Simon. Hi there, how are you doing? We're, we're going to come on to your stuff in a minute. Um, but are you okay to give your opinion on spices in a tick? I am, but I'm no expert, but happy to contribute. It's okay, because we're not either, so that's just about, <laughs> that's fine. Um, so, um, what key spices do you have in your store, Cupboard Ollie? So what, what are your real favourites that, that you use a lot? Yeah, yeah, dry. Dry spices. I mean, I suppose cumin, cinnamon coriander ginger would be sort of probably my i mean it's probably indian asian spices probably mm. where I, go. I mean i i have a i have a, a quite a large spice cupboard that is hidden behind a, an old teak door which i found at an indian market so it's sort of Do you, have it. you ever been to his house holly i haven't no i haven't I really either but i really don't want to <laughs> just I, I really want to i'm intrigued I reckon it's ra- in my head it's like ramshackled it's got all these stuff from around the world you know, propping up things with tortoise stuff somewhere and just, I uh, just think you know, of it I, as chaos. I, 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 I just I, think I, of it I, as chaos. I, I watched that program. Wife. I watched that program the other day. What's that woman called who, who does the cleaning Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've forgotten her name. Yes, I know the one. Komodo K- or Komodo. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, I, that, our house has not been Komodo or Komodo. It's like... <laughs> oh, Marie Kondo. Marie Kondo, oh, thank you. It yeah. does not spark joy, is that? No, is that no. what I'm saying? It was spark joy for me. Lots to discover... Yeah, yeah it would be an adventure. In our house, yeah. yeah, and your your house would be full of kitchen gadgets. Yeah, there's hundreds a lot of, kitchen of them. gadgets. Yeah, we're trying, we, we're thinking about condoing the kitchen and about four hundred cookbooks. Yeah, It'd be absolutely awful. Um, so, uh, your favourite spices, Holly? Um, to be honest, that you have that you always go to the same. So, cumin, coriander. Um, really, I like a good black peppercorn. Peppercorns, mm. I think, deserve a bit more time in the spotlight. Um, and my absolute favourite is cardamom. Mm. I just think it's absolutely it's incredible. 
I think you have to be careful with it. It's incredibly oh, fun. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Be really careful. So, Simon, I know you weren't expecting this because you thought you were going to talk about peanut butter, but um, have you, are you a cook at home? I do. I cook a lot. Um, we have a lot of spices as well. Um, I'm a bit of a heat fiend, so I like chilies. Chilies, yeah. And I put them in pretty much everything, sadly. Um, but, yeah, I, I do have a extensive collection of spices, many of which are probably unopened, but... Well, the most popular spices in the UK apparently are garlic, ginger, chilli, nutmeg, cinnamon, mace, cloves, which I tend to think of as quite traditionally mm. British from Victorian and before, um, paprika, turmeric, cardamom and pepper. Do you know what's which funny? probably rings true, I think. But if you me. go back, I think, you're, you, what you're missing is that sort of classic from the 70s, mixed herbs. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? I mean, which is sort of... I remember my father would always put mixed herbs on everything. It's sort of like... You know, it just I mean, doesn't taste of anything, though. No, but it was... Like but you were putting herbs sawdust. on No, I know, but... Yeah. That was Wasn't cooking it? then. Yeah. Thankfully, I missed um, out on that. Yeah, well yeah. <laughs> apparently we import 83 million tonnes of spices a year. And the most popular... So, um, if you think about the types of, of cooking you might do at home. So, if it's Indian, we tend to use chilies, ginger, garlic, cardamom, coriander just what you said there if it's Chinese we tend to use quite a lot of star anise and ginger mm, that I love true. star anise again that's very strong you have to be careful with it um, Thai tends to be more cloves nutmeg you know and then I think some people have said fresh lemongrass and things like that and Vietnamese tends to be fennel pepper chilies and of course Mexican chilies as well I love fennel do you? fennel, fennel seeds, seeds. yeah mm. really yeah. Mm. with no? pork Oh, yeah, yeah, with pork. With pork, it's amazing. <laughs> getting yeah. hungry here. Um, now, we, well, I know that you, you've got a man crush on Ottolenghi, haven't you? Big Wally? fan of your town. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a real um, man crush on it. Now, when he brought out his new cookbook, which is called Simple, he, he famously said that there are 10 key ingredients that he was mm. going to build this cookbook around, which I thought was quite a good thing. Yep. Um, and you, you said that you had... I don't know how many of these ingredients, and then you bought the rest in. Well, yeah, I haven't yeah. bought all of them in, but I'm yeah. still missing things like Berber spices and stuff like that. Yeah, so so he he in particular, and I think I think it's really changed the face of spices, yeah. um, actually, in this sort of Middle Eastern way. Because my cupboard just used to be full of you know things for Indian cooking and Chinese, and of course this has completely changed what I have in my my cupboard. So. Um, Black garlic, which I now buy all the time. I don't Do use normal garlic anymore. I, I quite like that sort of liquish taste that it's got Interesting. with it. And it's not as brash. It's That's like the it's comfy softer. garlic. I've tried to sell you the comfy garlic idea before and you've never bought it. No. Just cook garlic in olive oil for a bit mm. and then put it in a tub in the in the fridge and mm. spoon it out. Mm. No, you're not buying it. Um, Zatar. I love Do you that. use that? Yeah, we have loads of that. I mean, for me, that's better than the, the old-fashioned mixed herbs. Yeah, definitely. It, you know, it has a much more taste. Um, and sumac? Do you use yep, that? Yep, I have a thing of sumac. Um, and that's very deep red ground spice. Um, and it's made from dried and crushed berries. And and for me, it's got a, a quite a nice citrusy taste, mm. but a bit spicy. Um, ground cardamom, which we know Holly is a fan. Mm. Earth chili flakes. Mm. Chili flakes. Do you use those? I do occasionally. I, I think I think I, I think I stole them from the office. Um, I don't <laughs> think I don't think I have them at home, but I think I need them. I yeah, might get I, a waitress. Again, stuff, you, know. Um, you know, Simon might like to blow his head off with a bit of chili, but I quite like chili. It's a bit more subtle. And the thing with these is that it's got a lovely, sort of smoky, chocolatey taste as well as the heat. I try not to blow my head off, but it tends to happen anyway. Um, yeah. It's just one of those. 
go to the territory type of things, isn't it? Mm. And I have been using dried barberries have since you? I bought that book, which I'd never used before, and I really like them. They've got a nice... You've really bought the Yotam thing, haven't you? Dried berry taste. Yes, I have really, I think. And, and what, what I'm finding, I love cooking um, Indian food, Indian curries. And actually what I'm finding is the sort of Yotam uh, spices are actually giving me a better, mm. uh, not better dimension, a more interesting dimension than I'm used to uh, for my Indian cooking. I love, I mean, look, the, the great thing is, is that the, the world of spices has changed. What's the statistic I found the other day, which was, I think, something like 40% of the UK don't regularly cook an international cuisine. They don't. Don't. What are they? 40%? Like fish and chips and... British. Shepherd's pie. I know, I, I, I always had to lie down. I mean, the problem is that, you know, <laughs> is that when I think about the sheer diversity of what I cook, it's, it's ridiculous. But on one level, so there are two ways to look at this. One, if you're from a particular strong cuisine, right, so Indian, Bangladeshi, Chinese, Sri Lankan, Vietnamese, you might cook just that cuisine, mm. right? So you cook your one cuisine. Um, but there's a lot of people who are just like, nah, just like British. I mean, clearly amongst foodies, it's not very prevalent, but... I think it's quite hard to distinguish what British is, though, because yeah. because there's so many influences. So what, what do you describe as British? I think it's... A Sunday fun. lunch or... But, but I think, you, know, it's, you look at those lists of fly spices and you said, I think some of these are British. And there are certain ones on that list that are definitely not British. Yeah, I think what I meant by that is they're not from Britain, but but they're uh, very old-fashioned... Um, you know, yeah, in nutmeg. old, yeah, old-fashioned yeah. recipes from yeah. Victorian and pre-Victorian times, I think is what I meant. Yeah, no, but mm. so there's certain spices that have, that are familiar to us from a yeah. long time ago. Yeah. So your thymes, your, you know, stuff that would grow rosemary. in, the, rosemary that would yeah. grow in the family garden, you know, that sort yeah. of stuff. But then there, but a lot of the other ones are much more kind of like other. Mm. Look, clearly, I, I, I have no comprehension of non-foodies. I'm not going to claim to be an expert on them. Obviously. I just occasionally get statistics about Complete what they're doing. for anybody that doesn't cook like you do. No, I, 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 I'm, our business is set up to encourage them. Yes, we, know, we are here to encourage people to cook more ambitiously. Of course it is. So I'm going to move on from that now. Simon, so you're from uh, Meridian. Correct, yeah. Um, I think most people will be familiar with Meridian from their supermarket shopping on the peanut butter shelf. Correct, yes. Um, just tell us a little bit about the company. We've been around for a while now. Meridian have been around for a lot longer than people think. Um, we've been around since the early 80s. Um, it was started up in Wrexham, sorry, in Corwin, um, by a gentleman called Andrew Deadwell. Who, That's North Wales, of course. North Wales, um, in the beautiful Rolling Hills, actually. It's a, it's a wonderful place. Um, and we've still got the original factory there. And we're still making the jarred nut butters there. Um, and they started off as a like a health food trade wholesaler making various products and he went to America and came back with a peanut butter grinding machine and I think we've only just retired it to be honest it's um our crunchy nut butters were less and less smooth they became crunchier and crunchier and crunchier as the machine wore out um <laughs> people preferred them that way I think when we got yeah, a new machine there was a lot of uproar because they were saying it's, uh. it's if I wanted smooth I'd buy smooth type thing so um yeah we've we've been making a variety of different nut butters for years and years and years, predominantly things like um, almond and cashew. And then in recent years, we've kind of really branched out and gone a bit mad as the category's grown and people have become more accepting of different nuts and things mm. like that. Um, we also make tahinis as well, so ah, to fit that, in with what we are talking about before. That fits in right mm. nicely there, doesn't it, with um, old Yotam. So have you got your peanut butter there in front of you? I haven't got our old peanut butter. What have got you got? A new one, which Ooh. is our new rich roast peanut butter. So is this is this sort of 
you know, the latest. This is the latest and greatest. Okay, um, can we have a little taste and you talk us you through can. what we've done? So it's smooth. So smooth. It's smooth, rich roast, smooth peanut butter. Correct. Okay. And it's made with um, higher lake peanuts, um, which they're a little smaller and they've got a more intense flavour, which really helps bring out the um, nuttiness of it all. And they are lower in monounsaturated fats, which means it's better for your heart as well. Um, we use blanched peanuts. Normally our peanut butters are made with skins on, so and they're, they're roasted for longer, hence the rich roast. So it means it has got a much smoother, creamier feel in the mouth. So be careful how much you, you, you take, because uh, it being peanut butter and being very oily, It'll stick your mouth together if you're not careful. It just has. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to ask my question before I try it. Go on then. One of the things that's interesting about the world of peanut butter and nut butters is they've sort of, the way they've been perceived by the public seems to have changed over the last few years in the mm -hmm. sense that, you know, was it something you should be eating a lot of or, or not? But now it's, it is quite closely associated with health. Talk me through the sort of, I suppose, the way that's changed in your mind and, and what, why it's changed. Correct. I mean, Historically, if you'd have said to somebody who was on a diet, I was looking to lose weight, peanut butter is a good idea, they'd have said it's full of calories, that's a crazy thing to eat. Mm. Um, however, when food science kind of turned itself on its head a few years ago and said, no, fat isn't the baddie, sugar is the baddie, suddenly they've become very, very good fuel for people to work out and exercise um, and that's really driven a lot of the growth of that market. There's, there's a real thing about protein, isn't there, at the moment? And, that, and I think that's been driven by that. Um, what else have you got there? You've got a whole range there. We've got a good old taste. Well, we've got cashew, um, cashew. which is quite similar to that one, I mean, that it's quite smooth. Hmm. Um, but I think that's my favourite nut butter, apart from probably um, that one. Hmm. So that one we've just had, your, your new one, which is the... What, what was the, the name of the peanut? Sorry. So it's a... Rich roast peanut. And it's... High oleic peanuts. High oleic peanuts. That's got a very... That has got a roasty flavour to it, did you think? Mm. When we make... <laughs> you're on the radio. No, I'm, I'm you're on the, the radio. You're supposed to say... I know, no. I'm, I'm just sort of experiencing the, the almond butter. Cashew butter. Cashew. cashew. Butter. I mean, mm. the thing that's interesting is a lot of... So, obviously, the, the aim of this programme is not for you to diss your competition. Um, but... What's the difference between the way that, I suppose, people like you guys are, are processing your products versus the more mass market brands that we see out there that are more... Yeah, so if it, if it takes something like Sunpat... Okay. Sue's always straight in there. I don't care. <laughs> which is which is all I remember as, as a child, really. Is that was the... I think that was probably the only option, what it felt like it. was now. All your parents were prepared to give you. Yes, probably. <laughs> and, and now there's a plethora of things and, and there's a place for everything, which Absolutely. I think is what Ollie's saying. We're not trying to diss it, but there is a place for everything. Mm. But what, So why is this different? So we are kind of in the vanguard of the clean nut butter movement, which basically means we, we make it with as little po possible added to it. Um, wherever possible, it's 100% nuts. So most of our nut butters are just the nuts involved. Um, we do do salted versions, which is just a pinch of salt. That's about it. We do do some blended stuff. I've got some mm. over here. But um, predominantly, it is nothing added to it. So there's no sugar, there's no fat, there's no palm oil, there's nothing added to it whatsoever. You see, I like that rich roast one. That definitely tastes different to make. And do you think, I mean, obviously the, the traditional peanut, I mean, my father's American, so I, I have sort of a terrifying concept of the idea of peanut butter and jelly, which always confused me. I'm like, why would you put jelly on Anything. It's anyway. American, though. Isn't no, it? I know it's jam, obviously. But I mean, how do you think people are using peanut butter nowadays? Are people using it more imaginatively, or is it still very much ghettoized in the toast moment? 
I think breakfast is a big nut butter moment. <laughs> you like that phrase? Right. Well, you like the idea the of ghetto toast moment. The toast moment. God, like, only, you know, only you could say that. I know, Sorry but, about but, that. But, no, but, but, but breakfast moment. No, but breakfast has 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 exploded. You know, it's not it's not your traditional sort of the Kellogg's kind of thing. It's it has become the toast moment. Well, the toast moment. I'm actually writing this down. Can you write it down? Ghettoized in the toast, the toast mo- moment, moment yeah. is just. You try making that up. You'd never be able to make that. Yeah. Do, uh, do return to the conversation, Simon. Sorry. So um. As you said, a lot of people do eat it just on toast. Um, I consume a lot of it with porridge, um, but also an awful lot of it is consumed in smoothies, um, be it with fruits and vegetables, or also like the post-workout, people add a lot of peanut butter to their protein shake. I put it in yogurt. Yeah, yogurt oh, is another... Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. That's nice, very nice. Ooh, yeah. good. So one of the big things at the moment is... is trying to educate people as to the different uses of it so you can use it to really give depth to a sauce or you can put it in curries you can put it in soup you can put it in so many different things so mm. it's a very versatile and it's interesting because isn't it because obviously some of the stuff we've talked about is the growth of the plant-based movement and actually people trying to eat more and more plant-based meals and therefore moving away from meat and it is actually if you're using it as a culinary ingredient it does give a depth correct to dishes mm. that actually at times you you know it's quite a you know it's quite a meaty flavor mm-hmm. in some ways I'm just looking over across there, Simon. What, what, what's that one? Superfoods so edition. Like, hang on, I haven't had that one yet. No, so that, one yet. that is a blanched peanut butter, but it's got baobab added to it, which is an African fruit. That's what I thought um, it said. It's baobab. a bit cold, it's a tree, so it's, it's it? um, not stirred very well. So Isn't be careful with this one. It is tree, yes. Have you seen those trees? Those oh, trees are fantastic. They're, they're my favourite tree of all time because they look like they're upside down, don't they? They do. They're, the fat they're, they're, they're really called, fat. Yeah. They're called upside down yeah. trees, yeah. yeah. It looks like roots. But they've got... And they have them all over um, Senegal. I've seen one over Senegal and it's been like, what? Oh my God, that's different. Try that. It's wow. It's quite citrusy. It's really citrusy. Yeah, I was going to say, because baobab is kind of tangy, isn't it? How do you yes. know that? Have you, yeah. have to, uh, How do you know that? Good knowledge. Because mm. I'm... Do you often cook baobab? It's on there. <laughs> it's her favourite pudding. I have a tree in the garden. <laughs> uh, no, I just... Um, I'm one of those people that has every that's kind of powder and right. that's weird a a thing in my cupboard for smoothies. That's a bit of a shortcut. I really like that. I'm excited. It's not what I was expecting at all. I don't know, I might have to have, to have another try because I'm just a bit short no. about what it tastes like. Is, but, I mean, so sorry, got, sorry, hang on. You, you've uh, got no Holly, idea. Holly, I'm a bit confused here. <laughs> is, is this normal to have baobab in your cupboard? I mean, I'm just questioning Holly here for a second. It's superfood, so at the moment yeah. it's right. very very trendy and very Alongside, a lot of, very popular. of course, yeah. So if you're someone like Holly, you would have yeah, baobab. If trendy, you're a yeah, millennial, then yeah. Next to the goji berries. And the, and the chia seeds. What are you yeah. trying to say? Well, yeah. no, but chia seeds and goji berries, kind of, I think it's a bit more normal. <laughs> but, you know, a blended baobab tree, I mean, I'm a bit more concerned about it. So the ingredients of this are uh, roasted blanched peanuts and mm-hmm. then baobab powder, which is presumably what you have. Mm. And then a little bit of coconut oil and that's it. Yeah. Mm. It's really nice, isn't it? Yeah. So there is one other here that's okay, a blend we'll as well. And then because I want to talk about tahini after that. Okay. Um, so and that one is a blend of different um, nuts and it's also got co- cacao in it. So that is... And honey. Wonderful. A little bit of honey in it. See, we have we we do a lot of work with Vitamix, the, um, the blending company. And so occasionally we have tried to blend our own sort of sauces and stuff. And you can make your own peanut butter. Correct. And you do need a very 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 strong blender to do it otherwise it will start to smell and then eventually will just pass out <laughs> and i have to say, i have done it with like making your own kind of a quote proper nutella without all the bad stuff and it's which so this is kind of what this is can you imagine the mess he creates in his kitchen at home do you have cleaners <laughs> i'm just not living 
I'm just impressed he uses all the gadgets because I've got a lot, but they just tend to gather dust. I don't dust. think he does. I think he pretends. <laughs> so, um, do you like that? That is delicious. Mm. So that is a hazelnut um, cacao, um, and it's got a little bit of honey in it, and that's yeah, that is a delicious unctuous goo. I think is the mm. best bit of it. I do it. like the baobab one though. But the thing is, Nutella is. I mean, the, the, it's uh, so bad for you. It's so bad. For oh. you. I mean, I have to say, I mean, I have happy memories of it as a child because <laughs> I think a, lot of thing, a lot of people do. But actually, that Hasn't is delicious. Fifty-four oh. cubes of sugar in a jar or something like that. Has it really? Mm. Oh, dreadful. So, um, you, you've obviously sort of got this peanut base for your for your products, mm-hmm. um, and we've now got tahini here. Now, tahini isn't something that you just eat. On its own. On its Typically, own. Typically, no. So no. this could be interesting. So people have got to realise this, haven't they? they Actually, have. tahini is for the Ottolenghi moment, as Ollie might say. It's it's very popular. Not only well, traditionally, most people just use it as a ingredient to make hummus. Yeah. However, it's now being used as a dressing. Um, mm. Vegans and vegetarians have used it for years and years and years as a thickening bodying agent. <laughs> to add to sauces and things like that. Um, it's. It's a wonderful ingredient. I'm Simon's not sure. Simon's laughing at me because it's it's something you shouldn't really eat raw because it, it really does kill you. But I use that in particular with um, all sorts of things to make uh, dressings. Yeah, mm. absolutely. It's got a really nice flavour to it when you add it to dressings. Have you done the the whole roasted cauliflower? No, not yet. I did on Sunday. It's yeah. so good, isn't it? Is it? I mean, yeah. Was that from the Ottolenghi book? I didn't cook it, actually. I did everything else, but my wife did the uh, the cauliflower. And she did do a dressing to go on top of it, and I think it was... A sort of greeny the, one. Yeah. Mm. So good. I mean... Tahini's nice with mm. harissa and some other other ingredients. Really yeah. lovely dressing. I think I think Ottolenghi does one that's like yoghurt and garlic and tahini and lemon juice or something. It's made mm. really creamy. I mean, the, the funny thing about tahini is, is that if <clears throat> 10 years ago it was sort of like... It was, it was maybe a bit more... It was very sort of new labour... It was kind of, you know, it's like... Oh, it, was, it was Tony the, Blair. Was exactly. It? it was very... The, the, sort of the Islington New Labour lot, mm-hmm. you know, had tahini. Now, actually, what's funny about it, actually, is, is that it's quite... You know, we're not going to say it's a mainstream ingredient, but like 20, 30% of foodies have it in their cupboard all the time. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And actually, it's it's a lot more mainstream than it was. But it's better to use for cooking than peanut butter, in my personal opinion. It's got it's, uh, the profile of it. It's, it's slightly more sour, and it just gives a really nice... And it gives great uh, texture, I think. Yeah, and, and consistency it, too, and it thickens things as well. Yeah, um, we do a dark one as well, which is just roasted more. So, mm. um, the, the production process uses this pretty much the same. So you just roast them and then grind them and stick them into the jars, which is why it kind of sits beautifully in with this. It's, essentially, it is sesame seed nut butter. Mm. And um, can you tell me about the palm oil thing? So, so it's quite a complicated topic i think yeah um and i know you absolutely 100 percent do not have palm oil uh, in your products correct as, as, yeah. as a it's a you know a sort of strategy that you've decided quite a long time ago correct um explain to me the thinking behind that well i think we um we looked at them the products that we made and we just realized we didn't need them um basically what you use palm oil for in nut butters is to stop them separating and for people who've never had a 100 percent nut butter before the oil just separates out of the product and just sits on top. And where we've been kind of conditioned to see dairy products, we, we're used to that meaning it's been spoiled or it's ruined or it's time for it to go in the bin. And with nut butters, it isn't. It just means that you can just stir it straight back in again. And that it, it really is there for that purpose and that purpose alone. It doesn't add to the flavour. It doesn't add to the texture. It doesn't do anything for it nutritionally. It is just there for cosmetic purposes. And we just realised we didn't need it. So we thought, well, 
why are we doing that? Removed it all. I mean, there's only a few products that had it in. We just took it out and it, it's had no impact on anything, really. We've when a, f- a few consumers, when they first try the product, um, might think, oh, it's separated, but what we put on the lids, there's, um, I haven't got any lids here, um, it says, you know, oil separation is natural, just stir the product back in. Yeah. And over time, as, as people have, have got used to that and as it's gone more and more mainstream, we just don't get that as a question anymore. So yeah. it's been widely accepted. So for us, it's... It adds nothing to the product. It's unnecessary. Um, why use it? But you do actually actively support the Borneo orangutan survival uh, charity. So I think you are making a statement about palm oil in some respects. We are, but I think it's, I think it's more to do with we don't need to use it, and we're just kind of supporting that as a movement. We're not kind of trying to make any statement about those that people that do use it i think we're just kind of saying we don't need to use it and highlighting the fact that we don't use it because we don't need to use it um there are a lot of products which do use it um and i'm sure they have their reasons for doing so but we just do not need to so so in essence what you're saying is um if you're making peanut butter it probably isn't necessary you know there's lots and lots of options open to you However, Holly, I know uh, with some of your, you know, farm shops and um, independent retailers, um, they will be buying a whole range of products from lots and lots of different people. It's almost impossible to take palm oil out of some things, isn't it? Or it becomes, you know, ridiculously prohibitive in terms of expense. Yeah, I think it is. And I think um, one of the examples that's kind of come to light to me recently is um, kind of yogurty coating on nuts and cereal bars and things like that. Um, and I can't remember the exact kind of foodie reason why, but it's something to do with, um, I think it's so that the yogurt coating doesn't melt in the hand. So it's kind of, it's an ambient product. It won't just naturally melt on a hot day, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, if it did melt, it would change the experience quite a bit. It, you know, um, it wouldn't be quite so good for on-the-go products and things. So it's... I mean, it says here, um, I've got some nice research here. It says that currently palm oil is used in roughly half the packaged products sold in the US. And that's including ice cream, biscuits, chocolate products, instant noodles, crisps, cereals, you name it. Um, and uh, that, that's uh, stunning, uh, really. And, and we had the uh, the marketing nice guy from Iceland. He was saying that they were trying to take, uh, you know, not have palm oil in their products. Now they've been a bit undone because it's actually really complicated and really difficult to do, isn't it? And look, no, I mean, across the piece. I, I think the, the, the interesting thing that Simon says is that actually you need to look at your product and ask, what is it that you need in this product to make it a really good product mm. for the consumer you're targeting? Because one could argue that if you're making a mass market peanut butter, an oil separation for something that sits out there and kids are going to open up and eat might not work. Right? I mean, I think these products are, oh, I'm going to call them grown-up products. Mm. Well, obviously, you could feed them to your kids and, and that would be fine. You would probably be, you would, you would be involved in that process. You would do the stirring sort of thing. So I think, you know, it, it is down to brands need to decide, you know, where they stand on some of these issues and what's important to them in terms of the product they're making and, and where they need to make tra- make trades. I mean, the interesting thing is there is a Sustainable Palm Oil Association who do argue that, you know, it's about doing it sustainably. And actually, certainly from, you know, when I met them, they were talking about the fact that, you know, palm oil actually, from a, from a land perspective, is incredibly efficient. 
And so well, the last thing we need is, and this is always the danger of kind of, you know, very black and white debates about this stuff, mm. is you leap from, you know, palm oil to no palm oil. Well, it, let's just, you know, everyone needs to slow down and go, actually, is that the right thing to do? Well, is it very easy from a, a media perspective to say, you know, um, the, the oil that's um, extracted um, are, are from palms that are now grown mostly in Indonesia and Malaysia, um, and they're also expanding across um you know, Africa and Latin America, and and that it's one of the leading causes of rainforest destruction. You know, that's what we're told all the time. That's that's what the headline is, and therefore, because of that, it's claimed that wildlife species like the Sumatran rhino and Sumatran elephant and orangutans are, are being driven to the the brink of you know extinction, and that is the black and white yep. you know media version. Presumably, it really isn't as simple as that. It can't, it, it, nothing it, ever clearly, is, is clearly, it? it isn't. I mean, and and you know. In the same way that you know, you know, look, these debates are always so nuanced, and it's, you know, I, I you know, look, I'm not going to be, in, you know, I, I'm, I am no apologist for mass agricultural production and the, some of the destructive methods that they have used, but I do think one has to be nuanced on these debates mm-hmm. because the problem is the press get involved, and it's like this there's, good, there's goodies that and bad. baddies, yeah, yeah. and goodies, goodies and baddies, yeah. the world doesn't work with that. Yeah. And also from a retail perspective, there's not really a huge amount that they can actively do. They can't really be making the change mm. um, if they were to completely eradicate palm oil, including products from their range, then there's probably over half of their range which would go, yeah. would go yeah. which obviously they can't really run a business like that. So it's more a case of kind of brands and manufacturers, you know, looking into making a change where they can in the products that aren't dependent on it. Mm. Um, and then from that, the retailers can kind of start. And I think that's your point, Simon, isn't it? You don't think you need it in your product and therefore, you know, let's find an alternative. And, and with all due respect for you, it's a somewhat simpler thing, actually, than some other producers. I agree. I think it's um, it's not that we just find an alternative. We just don't need it. it it's not necessary. Um, some of our consumers it really resonates with. They like the fact that there's no palm oil in there. Um we are just a little, you know, we, we don't get into the more complex side of stuff because we we don't need it in the product. We've removed it. Um, we don't use it at all. And we're, we're happy with that stance. Um, yeah. And I guess for other, other brands in other areas, sorry, not brands, in for other sectors and other products, it's more complex. Categories, yeah. yeah but categories, I, th- yeah. I think the danger is we've, we've certainly talked about this from a sort of, you know, and we'll talk about this in a few weeks' time. We'll look at some of the research findings we've got is that you know, consumers are trying to make more informed choices about what they're buying. But ultimately, if the product doesn't deliver flavor and on the usage occasion in a convenient pack at the right price, the rest is history. Mm. So, you know, I think what's important in some ways, and I think where you can look at a place companies like Meridian Foods as an example, is they've not gone down some kind of crusade to remove palm oil at the expense of quality. It's they found a manufacturing process that where well, you don't need it, and actually that's almost the challenge for brands is to try and find those processes that can take nasties out that can say look actually you know actually we we've found a way to make this product affordable to make the flavour great to make it deliver in the right way to pay living wage all that kind of stuff without sacrificing on the product because you know people aren't going to buy on ethics and alone. the price as well yeah presumably for example the the <coughs> hazelnut and cacao product has got honey in it. Um, it's got about 2% honey in it, and it is purely there to stop the two nuts separating. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't add anything to the sweetness. It's not really there for flavour. It is there for that purpose. Um, we are working on a version without the honey in it because we know that 
for some people, honey is a... Vegans, yeah. yeah. So we... But at Essence, we try to make the simplest products we can. We try to do... We take really good ingredients and we make delicious products out of them. It's as simple as that. And you know, if you've got palm oil in there and it's not necessary and we can remove it, our ethos is that that's exactly what we should do. And that's, you know, that's the process we're still working on with that product. We continue to try and improve and innovate yeah. and, and, and make them as clean and as pure as we possibly can. So um, just uh, finishing off on the programme now, um, all your products are produced in your own factory in the beautiful Rolling Hills. All of our nut butters, yeah. Cool one. Yeah. Um, Denbyshire. Um, and the company was founded 30 years ago from now, is it, roughly? It's roughly 30 years yeah. ago, yeah. Should we have a nice call out to everybody in the, uh, in the factory? Absolutely. Uh, they, um, yeah, I mean, the growth that we've had, the we still make it all ourselves. There's now three sites up there. Um, still the original site in Corwin and two in Wrexham, not just up the road. And they work incredibly hard and they, they produce a fantastic product. And um, sometimes the sales department do their absolute best to try and hoodwink them by sort of like adding things at the last moment or things like that. But they, they seem to cope and just consistently produce a fantastic product. Um, we're very proud of the fact that we make it all ourselves. So well done, all you guys uh, working away producing peanut butter. But I think that's also really nice, and it's interesting. Look, you know, you know, no one, no one knows where the future of trade in the UK is going to go, um, in a, in any sector. And actually, you know, what's interesting is you, on one level, when you have control of your as much of your supply chain. I mean, no one has complete control of the supply chain unless you grow. And, you know, you, you literally you watch you, over the you, whole yeah. process, yeah. But ultimately, you know, it does give you a certain advantage that you know you are manufacturing here. That's important for jobs and yep. the whole food industry here, and. You know, it's. It, I think it's another reason why people do look to buy things. Yeah, definitely. So, Simon, thank you very much for joining us. Absolutely, uh, Simon Griffiths of Meridian Foods, um, and you've been listening to the Food Talk Show. And as you know, we're on lots of different radio stations across the UK and further afield. And you can also download our weekly podcast from iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, Spotify, the podcast app on your phone, as well as the Great British Chefs website. Thank you to my fellow presenters, Ollie Lloyd, founder of Great British Chefs, and Holly Shackleton of Speciality Food Magazine. Thank, Thank you, guys. Uh, nice to taste things, as usual. Always good. Mm -hmm. Mouth is a little bit stuck together. <laughs> well, this, but, but the good news is, is we are... It was a tahini. <laughs> but we are also leaving this session sober. <laughs> yes, there's no drink. Yeah, there's no drink. Oh, which is, oh, last week, I just... Oh, I was well yeah, out of it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> shouldn't really be doing that on the programme, yeah. should you? Um, keep and, moving. Uh, yeah, keep moving, keep moving. And if you want to recommend any future guests, someone doing something groundbreaking in the food sector, please do get in touch with us via Twitter on at Food Talk Show. And if you want to listen to any of our hundreds of podcasts, we've got about nearly 300 now, go to foodtalk.co.uk. Have a good week now. Bye.